the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel.
Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. Let's pray. Oh Lord, when I see what's happening in America to the people and to your church, my heart is broken. Jesus, we need you. We need you to come in power among us. Lord, we have rested in comfort in America, and we have allowed every wicked thing to begin to go on in our nation without comment from us. We brought in entertainment. We brought in every kind of program. We've said we have to meet the needs of the people. But we have failed. For we have not brought them to salvation. We've not brought them to convert from the way of darkness to the way of light. Instead, pride has taken over. Arrogance has taken over. Self-satisfaction is the rule of the day. And now suddenly with this evil destruction of our economy, with a false pandemic, and everybody getting shut down and businesses being destroyed, Lord, now we have to face the reality that we have only one hope, and his name is Jesus. But Lord, most are so far away from you, they can't get to you in time, and their lives are being destroyed, and they don't know what to do, and they don't know which way to turn. Lord, I come today recognizing that meanness has taken over in America. We have become an angry, mean nation full of violence, backbiting, arrogance, sniping, gossip, not helping one another. Lord, this used to be such a kind and wonderful nation. And in many ways, there's still that as a part. But Lord, by and large, because of the internet, Facebook, Twitter, the social media platforms have allowed a spirit of meanness to enter in. And Lord, we're where people have feasted on the darkness of Hollywood. Americans have watched so many murders and so many twists of evil plots, thinking it had no impact in their spirit, but it did. It closed you out, Jesus. It left us drained drained of our Christian faith, and drained of our humanity. And so now violence rises up in the hearts of men and women, thuggery, rioting. Oh, Lord, I don't know how to even come and begin to pray. I just know my heart 
is so heavy and so broken. And all I know to do is to come and be honest with you about what I see happening in this nation and the destruction that is rolling like billows in upon us. Lord, would you please come? Would you come by the power of your Holy Spirit? Will you bring people to pray? Will you cause people to cry out to you in their prayer closets and stop this incessant, constant turning to entertainment, this constant trying to find human solutions? Lord, you are the solution. Jesus, you are the answer. You are peace. You are joy. You are prosperity. It is you who gives a man or a woman the ability to earn a living. But Lord, we have thought we were entitled to medical care and we thought we were entitled to income and we thought we were entitled to entertainment and entitled to comfort and joy. Oh, Lord. We are not an entitled people. We have been resting on the debt while the rest of the world has suffered. And now, Lord, it's America's turn to suffer, even as the world is suffering. So, Lord, I come today and plead, O oh God, will you come in power? And will you deliver your people? I don't see any way through, Jesus, except by the miraculous, wonderful power of your Holy Spirit coming and quickening. And Lord, many, many prophets are saying that a great revival is coming, that it's going to be a very wonderful and exciting time. But Lord, that's not what you showed me. I saw the angel of death coming to America. I saw the angel of death spreading its dark poison over this nation. I saw great suffering, disasters, brokenness, poverty, starvation. Until finally, men and women were willing to turn and humble their hearts before you. Lord, I know that revival is not going to come to this nation until there is a great humbling of America's heart. Oh Lord, would you come? And would you rescue us before we are destroyed? Lord, countless Numbers of people are unemployed across America. Countless numbers are, are unable to pay for their rent or their mortgage. Landowners or building owners are not able to pay because they're not getting paid and everything is collapsing, Jesus. I've never... I've never read anything about this ever happening before in America. Even the Great Depression was not like this. 
Almighty God, if you don't come and rescue us, we will surely, we will surely perish. We will surely perish, Lord. We have thought that we were the masters, that we were in charge, that all we needed was positive thinking. But Lord, we've come to a place where positive thinking doesn't work anymore. We've come to a place where there is hunger and starvation beginning to appear across our nation. The food lines are very long, miles long. And the food banks are running out of food. Oh, Lord. All I can say, Jesus, is that if you don't come, America's lost. That if you don't come in power, the church is lost. Lord, most churches in the Washington metro area still remain closed. They're afraid to meet. They're afraid of a false pandemic. They're afraid of the government. They're afraid of everything. Lord God, when are you going to make pastors warriors? When are you going to give us a a backbone of, of stiff iron to stand up and say, this is wrong, and we're no longer going to abide by this. We are going to worship with our people. We are going to call the lost and the dying. Lord, these Zoom meetings and these other kinds of online meetings, those are not church. That's not where a person is encouraged and fed and and fellowshipping and held accountable for righteousness. Lord, it's false. Almighty God, we're in such trouble. And you are far away from the American church. Because when your Holy Spirit withdrew from the American church, even from the Pentecostal churches, when your spirit was grieved and left, all that we had in its place was supersized buildings and entertainment and programs to meet specific felt needs that only increase the sense of entitlement. Lord, many Christians have said to me, I can't even find a church where they worship. I can only find entertainment centers. Oh, Lord, it's time to pray. It's time to cry out. Lord, it's time to trust you and to say, I will wait upon the Lord. Lord, this morning I was racking my mind for, okay, what can we do? Can we, can we set up a big camp meeting tent somewhere in a field? Can we, what can we do, Jesus? And all I heard was, humble your heart, Ray, and wait upon me. Wait upon the Lord. So, Lord, I know 
must wait upon you. But then I ask, Lord, how shall I pray? And all you would say is call my people to repent. Call my people to be crucified with me, to lay their lives down for me. Lord, Washington is still wealthy and many people still have their jobs and their retirements. They're not feeling the pinch like the center of America is. Oh, Lord, we will feel the pinch here. Lord, we need you. I need you, Jesus. I need you, my Lord. I need you, Jesus. I am so hungry for you to come and restore your Holy Spirit to your church. Yea, to restore the fullness of Pentecost in my life. Lord, all I've been able to do in the last week is lay before you and pray. Go get my hair cut, and then come back and lay before you. I haven't even been able to unpack the house. It's still sitting in boxes. I haven't even found the silverware or the plates or the cups. Lord, all I can do is lay before you and say, Almighty God, Please come, because it's not silverware and plates that I need. It's not a comfortable house that I need. It's you, Jesus. I need you. Lord, would you come? Would you come, Lord? Thank you, Lord. I pray in your name. Amen. I want to welcome each one of you today. This is not an easy day for me. My heart is very upset. Two mornings ago, I woke up with a great sense of foreboding in my heart. I was terrified. I lay in my bed for a few minutes, about 5 a.m. I said, Lord, what is this? And then I began to look in the Spirit. And I saw the Spirit of death coming. It was, it was huge. At that point, it was still far away, but it looked to be about 40 or 50 feet high and huge, black, dense, couldn't see through it, swirling. I'd never seen anything like that before. And I immediately began to cry out. I said, Lord, is the spirit of death coming for me? Very quietly, the Lord said, no. I said, well, then it must be coming for my friend who has Lou Gehrig's. Have you come for him? 
I continued praying. Finally, I hit the shower, got dressed, came into the study, sat before the Lord. I said, Lord, what is this? I began to rebuke it in the name of Jesus. And it seemed to pull back. So I went on about my day. I shared with the, with Brother Ed. He was here working on the computer. And then, again this morning as I awakened, in the spirit realm I could see, as though I were looking at it physically, I could see the spirit of death. But this time, it looked different. It was much closer. And I could see it spreading out, beginning to cover America. And I saw this spirit of death beginning to, to move out in every direction. I began to cry out to the Lord and say, Lord, is America going to die? Save us, O God. Save us. This is desperate. Now, you may not look in the spirit realm. You may not have that gifting. But I do, and I look in the spirit realm, and I see. And I see the spirit of death coming upon America because a spirit of meanness has come into this nation. A spirit of poverty is upon this nation. We're being deliberately destroyed by new world powers, banking interests. And they are going to control the food. They are going to control everything. And if our trust is not in Jesus Christ, we will perish. So I began to cry out again to the Lord. And I've been doing that all morning. I want to share something with you that's very troubling to me in the scriptures. It's a story that I don't like to even look at. I don't like to talk about. But I need to. It's found in the 18th chapter of Genesis. Genesis 18. The Lord Jesus, in his pre-incarnate condition, comes to see Abraham and brings with him two angels. They're welcomed and they're fed. Abraham and the Lord sit and, and talk with each other. It's obvious that Abraham is friends with the Lord God of heaven. And then the two angels leave. And Abraham and the Lord walk together. Oh, I want to be friends with Jesus in that way. 
I want Jesus to walk with me, and I want to walk with him. The Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? Verse 18, Abraham will surely become a great and powerful nation, and all nations on earth will be blessed through him, for I have chosen him. These are the thoughts that Jesus had. For I've chosen him so that he will direct his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just so that the Lord will bring about for Abraham what he has promised. And now he begins to speak to Abraham and he says, the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is so great and their sin so grievous that I will go down and see if what they have done is as bad as the outcry that has reached me. If not, I will know. The angels leave. Abraham approaches him, and he begins to bargain with the Lord, finally bargaining down if they can find ten righteous men, he will spare this city. They could not find ten righteous men. I want you to, to let that sink in for a moment. Lot was one of the leaders of this city. Remember, Abraham came and delivered him and delivered all of the kings and the peoples. Now the two angels arrived at Sodom in the evening. And there's Lot sitting in the gateway of the city. That's where the leaders always sat. He got up and went to meet them, and he bowed down with his face to the ground, and he said, My lords, did he recognize them as angels? I don't know. Not yet, probably. Please turn aside to your servant's house. You can wash your feet and spend the night and then go on your way early in the morning. He is totally unconscious of what these angels have come to do. They've come to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, to burn it with, with brimstone. No, they answered, we will spend the night in the square. But he insisted so strongly that they did go with him and entered his house, and he prepared a meal for them, baking bread without yeast, and they ate. Interesting, his wife did not prepare the meal, he did. I don't like Lot's wife. I don't like his daughters. They're evil. It was to please her, I'm sure, that they moved into this wicked city. But before they'd gone to bed, all the men from every part of the city of Sodom, both young and old, surrounded the house. They called to Lot, Where are the men who have come to you tonight? Bring them out so that we can have sex with them. That's the NIV. Now, if you look in Ezekiel, there are a number of reasons why the city was destroyed. And this perversion was listed as the last thing, but it was they were arrogant, they were overfed, they were filled with luxury. Lot goes outside and he talks with them and he says, No, my friends. He's friends with these people. No, my friends, 
Don't do this wicked thing. Look, I have two daughters who've never slept with a man. Let me bring them out to you, and you can do what you like with them. What? I know it's the culture, but it's wicked. It's not righteous. It was wrong. It was evil. Don't do anything to these men, for they've come under my protection on my roof. And they said, get out of our way. This fellow came here as an alien, and now he, he wants to play the judge. We'll treat you worse than them. And they kept bringing pressure on Lot and moved forward to break down the door. The men inside reached out and pulled Lot back into the house and shut the door. Then they struck the men with blindness at the door of the house, young and old, so that they could not find the door. That word blindness can also mean confusion, disorientation. It's not necessarily blindness of the eye in the Hebrew. Now the two men said to Lot, Do you have anyone else here? Sons-in-law, sons or daughters, or anyone else in the city who belongs to you? They knew all of this. They're testing Lot. Get them out of here because we're going to destroy this place. The outcry to the Lord against its people is so great that he has sent us to destroy it. Now wait a minute. Has that cry, that outcry against the city come from Lot? No. Has it come from Lot's wife or daughters? No. It's come from victims. It hasn't come from a holy man. Lot was not interested in praying to God. He was a righteous man, we're told, and we'll turn to that in a minute in Second Peter. But please hear me. He was comfortable in his righteousness and he did not win one person to the God of heaven. He did not confront their wickedness until suddenly the angels are there and now they want to destroy the angels. And Lot finally steps in. Lot is a picture of the American church. Many in the American church still love Jesus and still have a form of godliness, but no power. And they don't pray. And they don't win anyone to Jesus. They have a form of religion. Lot had a form of religion. He behaved in righteous ways. He did not participate in the wicked actions of the people in his city. But he didn't leave the wickedness. And he didn't confront the wickedness. That breaks my heart. Because that's how I see the American church. The American church are the children of Lot, not of Abraham. Now listen. Lot hesitated. It's night. They've dithered all night about this. Maybe they packed a few things for the donkey. 
Finally, the angels grasp Lot's hand and the hand of his wife and the two daughters and forcibly led them out of the city because the Lord was merciful for them. I'm praying that God will be merciful for the American church, that he'll be merciful for me and for you. Then he said, the angel said, flee for your lives. Run for your lives. Run for your lives. Don't look back. That's the message. That's the message to the American church today that it must hear. We are at a point of destruction in America. Jobs are being destroyed. This false pandemic has almost totally destroyed the Christian church in America. We have been vomited out of our churches. The government does not want us to meet. They will allow Costco. They will allow Walmart. They will allow bars. They will allow liquor stores. They'll allow all kinds of things, but not the church. Church, shut down. You're not essential. You're not essential. We can do very well in our culture without you, Mr. Pastor, and your congregation. The Lord says, flee for your lives and don't look back. Flee the wickedness. Don't consider the wicked any longer as a measure of how you should behave or what you should be doing, or how you should be functioning. Yesterday we talked about this. Leave the world. Leave the worldly practices. Separate yourself from the world. Don't think like they think, and don't act like they, they act, and don't spend your money the way they spend their money. Come out from them. Turn your televisions off. Turn your social media platforms that are filled with darkness. Turn them off. Don't go there. Don't go to the movies anymore. Don't go to the wicked places. Cut them off. Flee for your lives. Don't stop. Flee to the mountains or you will be swept away. And Lot answers, No, my lords. The angels of God are trying to save Lot and his family. And he's saying, oh no, we can't do that. That's too radical, pastor. How will I keep track of my family if I go off Facebook? How can I take care of what I need to take care of if I'm not on social media? If I don't have my television, how can I, how can I stay up with my favorite TV shows? What? Are you kidding me? Jesus is coming, brother. My, I can't flee to the mountains. This disaster will overtake me and I'll die. If I don't have my false gods, I'll die, pastor. If I don't have my Starbucks coffee, I'll die, pastor. If I don't have... My comforts, I'll die, Pastor. Okay, look. He says, there's a town. Can we run to it? It's small. 
Let me flee to it. There my life will be spared. Very well, I will grant that request too. I will not overthrow the town you speak of, but flee there quickly, because I cannot do anything until you reach it. By the time Lot reached Zor, the sun had risen over the land, and the Lord, the Lord rained down burning sulfur on Sodom and Gomorrah, not just Sodom and Gomorrah, but the whole valley, all of Lot's sheep and camels and all of his livestock, everything he owned was destroyed. He went out basically with the clothes on his back. Now you would think that Lot would immediately head to Father Abraham. I would have. And I would have humbled my heart and said, Abraham, can you help us? We're wiped out. But he didn't do that. In his tear, he moved on to the mountain, and there they lived in a cave. But in the process of all of this, Lot's wife looked back, and she became a pillar of salt. She died. Why? Because she loved the things of darkness. She longed for her lifestyle of the rich and the famous in the wicked city of Sodom and Gomorrah. She lusted after all of those purses, all of that clothing, all of those parties. She lusted after all of those shoes, those trinkets. And she disobeyed the word of the Lord. The Lord tried to deliver her. But with longing, she's looking back and saying, Oh, if I could just have. If I could just have. You're dead, sister. It's over. You're a pillar of salt and the rain will wash you away. I don't want you to become a pillar of salt. And many of you listening to this broadcast are still addicted to stuff. Now I have dear family in Florida, and these two guys have been saying to me, Pastor, you've got to get rid of a lot of your stuff. I finally come to terms with that and recognize I have boxes and boxes of things I don't need. So I've begun sorting them all out. Everything that I don't need and don't use, even though it's very beautiful, I'm giving away. I'm not keeping. I'm not keeping anything sentimental. I'm getting ready for Jesus to come. I'm emptying my, my closets. I'm emptying the boxes. I'm saying, Jesus, I'm going to travel light. I'm going to be a min... Uh, how do you say it? A minimal, a minimal? I'm not going to carry a heavy load. I don't need it. I need Jesus. I don't need stuff. I need my Lord. I need people who will pray. People who will be serious about Jesus. 
Now imagine Abraham. He gets up very early the next morning. And he walked the same path. He walked with Jesus. And he went out and stood where he had stood before the Lord. And he looked down toward Sodom and Gomorrah, toward all the valley of the plain. And all he could see was a dense, heavy smoke rising from the land, like the smoke from a furnace. God destroyed the cities of the plain. But he remembered Abraham, and because of Abraham, he brought Lot out of this catastrophic burning. Now, I want you to see something. He did not save Lot for Lot's sake, because Lot was not a friend of God. He was righteous. He didn't commit sexual sin. He didn't use unjust measures. He behaved, but he was not a friend of God. It was because of Abraham that Lot was saved. Now in Second Peter, I want to read this for you. In the second book of Peter, in the second chapter, begin reading with verse 6. If he condemned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah by burning them to ashes and made them as an example of what is going to happen to the ungodly, Sodom and Gomorrah are a sign of what he's going to do to America if America does not repent. And he will save America if the church repents and becomes a friend of God. Lot did not bring anyone to the Lord God of heaven. If he rescued Lot, a righteous man who was distressed by the filthy lives of lawless men, for that righteous man living among them day after day was tormented in his righteous soul, by the lawless deeds he saw and heard. Well, then why didn't he move out? Why did he stay there? The only reason he stayed was because his wicked wife loved it there and his wicked daughters loved it there. And he said, my daughters and my wife are more important than righteousness. And so he compromised with the darkness. Many of you have done the same thing in the American church. The American church has compromised with the wicked culture that has developed in the Americas, in the Western world. And so the church is scorned today in America. It's thought of as non-essential. And like good little boys and girls, we don't meet anymore. Because there's a pandemic. The big wolf is at your door. And it's all a lie. It's not at your door. The masks are there for control only. To see if you will submit. And the next submission is, will you submit to the vaccines? Will you submit to the mark of the beast? How far will you go? 
before you finally rise up and say, Enough is enough. I'm with Jesus. I'm no longer going to walk like the world. I'm no longer going to be afraid of what the world is afraid of. I have one God. His name is Jesus. I don't have multiple gods. The government is not my God. My job is not my God. My family is not my God. My wife is not my God. My husband is not my God. I serve Jesus and Jesus alone. He is my God. I will go and stand with God. Is that your position today? The Lord knows how to rescue godly men from trials and hold the unrighteous for the day of judgment while continuing their punishment. This is especially true of those who follow the corrupt desires of the sinful nature and despise authority. Now there's another passage that I want to read for you. It's found in the book of of Timothy. See if I can turn to it quickly. Now you must know this. Mark this. That's what the Bible says. This is something you need to know. You need to have a very clear understanding of this issue that I'm going to share with you now from 2 Timothy, the third chapter. Now you must know this, that in the last days, and we're living in the last days, brother, sister, perilous times will come. For humankind will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, arrogant, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, wicked, without natural affections, unforgiving, slanders, without self-control, brutal, opposed to goodness and good people, traitors, rash, having been blinded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but having denied its power sometime in the past and still in a state of denial. But you must turn away from these people. Well, those people fill our churches. The church is filled with unconverted people today. And many pastors are simply hirelings with a good gig. And they've never been converted. They're like Lot. They'll live a morally upright life, but they will not confront the darkness and they will not call men to turn away from wickedness. Instead, they speak soothing words of comfort to everyone. And they have no backbone. They have lost. These men have lost their masculinity. They're weaklings. They're jellyfish. They're there for the entertainment and the money. Oh, they're great program directors. 
but no authority. And they can't pray. I'm brokenhearted with this. I cry out to the Lord. What are we going to do, brothers, sisters? We've got to come to a new place. I've been saying, Lord, what do I do? Wait on the Lord. Wait for power from on high. Wait for Pentecost power, Pastor. In the meantime, pray. Read the word. Speak honestly as you can. Don't compromise the word of God. Don't be a man pleaser. Get a backbone. Stand up, Pastor. Be a man. Be a woman. Be strong. Wow. That's where we're at. Our nation is crashing. And if we do not repent as a church, if we don't return to righteousness as a church, we will be burned. We will be destroyed. Already churches are going bankrupt. They can't make their mortgage payment. What are we going to do? It's not a time to be a coward. It's time to be a man, a woman of God and stand up and say, this is what is right and we will not participate in this wickedness. Our salvation is not found in a political party. Our salvation is not found in government. Our salvation is found in Jesus and Jesus alone. And the only way into Jesus' heart is to repent and to stand up and say, I've had enough. I'm going to pray. Prayer is the most powerful weapon you can employ in these days. Because only Jesus can deliver you. And he will. Let's pray. I come in the name of Jesus against fear. Against weakness. I come in the name of Jesus against compromise. I come in the name of Jesus and I rebuke these things. Lord, would you come with mighty power for your people? Would you rescue us? And would you give us the words to pray in the name of Jesus? Amen. Now, some of you need to make a decision. All of us need to make decisions. Will you make that decision today? That you will serve Jesus Christ, no matter what the price.
Now, we're almost out of time. I'd love to hear from you. You can write to me at the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. If you have not yet subscribed and you're on YouTube, would you please subscribe to our channel that we could have a wider distribution? You can also go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com, and you can give online. Thank you again to those who are continuing to give and raise this ministry so that we can remain on the air. The cry of my heart is that we could be on the FM dial, but I'll wait on the Lord to bring the resources to do that. I'm trusting Jesus. I'm waiting on him. God bless you, my brother, my sister. I'll talk to you soon.